Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 131. Uh, there is a lot of DC movie news this week, so we're just like, let's just lump it all together and make a DC-related topic. We haven't done comic stuff in a little bit. And also, Josh and I like to flex our creative muscle, a muscle that, <laughs> yeah. for the both of us, is probably not as strong as we think it is, but we'd like to think it's strong, and we'd like to have fun with storytelling, because that's a really big part of movie making, obviously. And so today, that's what we're going to be doing. So both of us have three either characters or character, and we're going to pitch more or less how we would make multiple movie incarnations. So basically, say, um, one of my characters is Superman. How would I do a Superman franchise? Um... Not just one movie, but the kind of the general narrative and the outline for that character as well as two others for me. Josh has three. I'm looking forward to it. It's basically an abridged version of our pitch off, except there's nothing to win and everything to gain. Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm real good. I I, I think it's hilarious that you that uh, you're talking about us flexing our creative muscle. I think I don't know about you, but I definitely once I started, I was like, oh no. Josh, it's just it's just quick pitches, quick pitches. That's all it needs to be. That's, nah, man, go into as much detail as you want. Release the oh, beast, dude. It was there's one of them, and you'll you can unfortunately you can tell which one I was more passionate about. Um, the what's what's the idea hit me? But yeah, it's I'm excited, man. It'll be fun. Um, before we get into all that, you watching anything interesting? Um, I'm trying to think since the last time we talked. Watching, playing, doing anything? No, yeah. Oh, I'm uh, halfway through uh, the new a uh, new Resident Evil game. Oh, is so that the, is that the Stompy Lady? The Stompy, the stompy tall lady? lady. I'm gonna spoil something for you. She's not in it very much. No, she's like I'm like the first fourth, and I was like, what? Oh, that's it. oh okay, cool. Um, also, my dad. I've been watching. The Punisher with him. Oh, I thought you were about to say your dad's been playing Resident no, Evil no, with no, him. No, sir. No, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've been watching Punisher That's an with American him Pie situation there. It is. That's, I'm not ready for that conversation. Anyway. <laughs> As um, an almost 30-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, are you ever really ready to have that kind of conversation? <laughs> like, really? Um, but no, we're coming up on the, on the, the season slash series finale, so... Oof, good stuff, man, good stuff. What about you? Uh, so, I felt bad because it was like the very next day after we recorded last week's episode, but I did finally watch Mitchell's vs. the Machines. Yeah? And it, it's, it is so good. Um, <laughs> not like the best Lord Miller, but also, it's weird, Lord Miller didn't actually direct this, but it feels very much like their movie. It feels like the frenetic energy of Lego Movie and Clyde with the Chance of Meatballs, but I really, really like that. Also, anytime you have those, like, early days of the creative process and you kind of suck at it i'm gonna be right on board with it this kind of had that to a certain degree mm-hmm. be kind rewind had that and that was my favorite part about that movie the whole thing with be kind rewind it wasn't a perfect movie but the second half when they were like creating movies one of my favorite things because that was what we were doing in college at that time uh mm-hmm. hugo is all about movie making if you make movies about the creative and movie making process it works for me um i want to shake the hand of whoever wrote the Furby scene. Bro. The Furby scene. <laughs> I won't spoil it because y'all need to watch it because Mitchell's vs. the Machines is great. But 
It has been a very, very long time since I have laughed as hard as I did with the Furbies. It's not just the fact that there's attacking Furbies, which we all knew would someday happen that the Furby uprising would be among us, but the dialogue that they choose to have the Furby say <laughs> is like the funniest, most like dark cultish dialogue ever and i'm all about it and it's just wonderful i think one of my favorite parts of that scene is uh when oh geez the the main girl she's just like why would anyone build that like oh it was so good there's so much about the movie that is memorable like you said it's not like the the best movie ever it's predictable at times and that's fine oh absolutely but like it's the best kind of predictable Mm-hmm. And there's even those really subtle details, like when, jeez, oh, do you remember her name, the main girl? I'm feel no, so. I do not. Anyway, she does her little monologue at towards the end about like how important families are, and like that needs to be, you know, like they're the ones that have your back no matter what, blah blah blah. And the phone, and it switches back to Pal, and she's on sleep mode. Oh, sorry, oh, what were we talking? Like that is like perfect like yes don't let us like be predictable but at the same time tell tell, keep telling the story that you're 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 telling Mm -hmm. also just joke a minute i love the little brother he was kind of like a crazier version of dash from the incredibles but like dash is still kind of relatively normal kid this this is definitely the weird little brother that everyone kind of knows or was the little brother in josh's case was probably him i'm Um, still that brother you can oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> um but i liked i liked the entire family um it was just really really well done um i've been playing because it was super super cheap they're having a sale on i was just like you know what mm-hmm. you can't really go wrong with a lego game although yeah. they get they get really repetitive after a while and i was mm-hmm. kind of burnt out on them for that exact reason and so i never really picked up lego dc supervillains for that exact Dude. reason <laughs> because i was just like lego batman 3 was it was fine, but it gets kind of repetitive. Dude, Lego DC villain, Super Villains, I think is my favorite Lego game they've ever come out with. Because <laughs> they start you off by building your own villain, which is great. So you start off with this customizable features. Um, it has a playable Nightwing and Free Roam, so that just makes it perfect. <laughs> um, but also, it's got an open world as well as the all the individual levels, so you can go to metropolis you can go to smallville which seeing that they had a miniature lego smallville i was just like dude i i can die happy now but the fact that you could just fly around endlessly and discover stuff and it's just completely open it's not just like an empty grid like arkham origins there's stuff to do and engage with was so much fun uh and then lastly as you know if you've been following the podcast for any length of time uh heather and i've been watching smallville and we're still in season two but we got to arguably what I think will probably go down as the best episode in the entire show. And if I could get Josh to watch only one episode, it'd be this one. Because, so there's this key to the pod that he crashed into it and they're trying to get answers. And so a scientist is just like, I can translate that for you. I can speak it. We go to that scientist and it's Christopher Reeve. So it's like this nice passing of the torch with between That's the Supermans. Super cool. And so he's just like... Your name is Kal-El. Your father and mother sent you away because they knew they were going to die. I've looked up at the stars my whole life wondering if I was alone in the universe. 
And so I was looking for you, Clark, for the past 13 years. And so it's just this really, really good moment there. Like they're they they're talking about this character before we even meet him. It's just like he's a really big guy in the 70s, and then through some accident. He's been stuck to a wheelchair, but he's been doing a whole bunch of charitable organizations. And I'm just like, stop. You're not even making him a character. You're just doing Christopher Reeve as a person. But he was such a good person. Yeah. And there's, it made me so happy of when they're having this Christopher Reeve and Tom Welling conversation. They're playing the original John Williams music in the background of just like, no, this is someone you take seriously. So when... Christopher Reeves says for the first time, your name is Kal-El. They do the do, 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 do. And I was like, oh, the show will never be better than this. But it was just a <laughs> well-structured episode around it, but also utilizing your cameo to the best of your ability. It's not just, hey, look, it's the guy that used to play Superman. It's like, no, this guy knows what Clark is and can get him on the right path, which if that's not what you're supposed to do with passing the torch, I don't know what is yeah. it's just so incredibly well done and it was like oh it pulls on the heartstrings if you've watched any of the original supermans whatsoever well that's rad it's still smallville i'm not gonna watch it <laughs> at least for the first two seasons yeah. i think you would like what they're doing at least for the first two it's, it's still pretty that's dated fair. in terms of the 2000s effects and its overall color palette of like it's this very it's the anti Snyder of like everything is just oversaturated and very warm color, but of course, um, it's the early two thousands and so basic. I was looking ahead to like some of the episode descriptions, and one of them in like season three or four, they're just like, "There's a school dance, and they have the band All American Rejects perform at the concert, played by the actual All American Rejects." And I'm just like, "Y'all are really proud that you got that for that episode, aren't you?" Like the obligatory. Dang famous band for that one episode like Jeez. just like how um hawk nelson just like how hawk nelson was in yours mine and ours type of thing oh lord have mercy that is that's a flashback those are there. Some, yeah um wow okay so anyway uh <laughs> let's talk about something that was really pretty to look at yeah so the eternals was really pretty to look at i'm i'm still kind of on the fence um i like this first trailer so the uh so marvel finally released a first look at the eternals which has been long overdue and also snake eyes movie this is how you do a teaser trailer it's like (laughs) double the length and it's still just as teasery um yeah i don't mind this trailer but I, i think it's far from great that being said, it is still just a teaser trailer. So it basically shows this group of individuals, the Eternals, that, judging by the name, they've lived for thousands upon thousands of years. If not, yeah. they are eternal, and they've more or less been watchers of Earth. And now something is propelling them to be involved, which that at least gets me interested, going, okay, so you sat on your hands when the Chitauri attacked in the first Avengers. Yeah. You sat on your hands when Thanos was here. You you definitely could have sat on your hands saying Ultron. That was not a threat whatsoever. Um, but <laughs> no. you sat on your hands when Thanos wiped away half the universe. Now you're getting involved? Oh, that's really bad then. If you're just now getting involved, meaning there's something worse on the horizon. I think it's still too early for Galactus. Um... But you're right. If nothing else, this looks pretty. Uh, was it just me or when the ship comes out of the cloud? Not 
out of the clouds when it becomes visible and it's floating above those native people on the cliff i kind of got star trek into darkness vibes when the ship Bro. comes out of the water and they fly above the volcano and the natives see them for the first time that's exactly yeah. what i thought i was like oh you're exposing yourself to people for the first time they don't know what this technology is it looks a yeah. lot like that it looks super cool and like the um basically uh, basically saying the first city that was that was really successful is is from them and it looks mysteriously a lot like what babylon like in assyria looks like hmm that's so interesting um anyway and you know there's no record of where babylon actually was huh, hmm, that's so weird um anyway um no yeah it's a beautiful beautiful trailer Every, like we didn't really get an introduction to really to who all the characters are besides hey this guy does this this person is kind of good at this these two people are in love and that's their thing I guess <laughs> so I like Hawkman and Hawk Girl that's yes. like their only thing so my question for you about this trailer and it's really does it has it's no real merit to it at all. But um, how'd you feel about the ending of this trailer, where he's like, "Well, oh. I I can I can do this." It's not what I thought you were gonna ask about, but okay, this is oh, okay. This is a much easier topic to tackle than the other question I thought you asked. That I'll, I'll address that. I didn't mind the stinger because to me, it's the hook to the casuals going. Oh, you mentioned Captain Rogers, which I appreciate that they didn't say Captain America. They said Captain Rogers because they're just like, yeah. oh, no, Sam's Sam's Captain America now. They said Captain Rogers and Tony Stark. I think that was the hook to go like to my parents or uh, to yeah. someone that I know that doesn't follow it. Like we we've been tracking the Eternals for what feels like years since they first announced this. Like we've known this is coming. But for more casual people that will be like, yeah, I'll watch the next Marvel movie when it comes out. Um, but they don't keep up to the day-to-day -day stuff. I think that was more or less what that hook was for, because yeah. without that, you would not have any clue whatsoever that this is in the MCU, which I think is both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, oh, absolutely. It sets that this is very much on its own platform, it's its own thing. However, it'll ultimately tie into the MCU, I'm sure, in massive, massive ways. Um, what I thought you were going to talk about ask me about because it's a much trickier question and believe it or not it's the thing that's the most people i saw online debating is what did i think about the color scheme because i'll be honest i am kind of getting sick of i know i bag on snyder a lot for this but marvel is also guilty of this too is why are superhero movies afraid of color like, I get mm -hmm. that this movie's supposed to be looking super, super realistic. We kind of expected that because uh, director Chloe Zhao, who did Nomadland, which is very in the world, very earthy, very grounded. And I kind of expected that same tonality for this. However, I'm just like, can, I, can we make the suits pop a little bit more? Essentially, these guys are gods. Can we make the, can we make the gods' suits a little better in terms of uh, color? Like, make them stand out from the world that they're on more so. I don't need you to go full Clash of the Titans, in which case the only thing you can see is the blinding light from their uniforms. But, like, make them... I know some people are just like, well, they're trying to make them look realistic. Aquaman and Shazam have great color palettes, and they 
leap off the screen more so than whatever is in the background i kind of would like the same thing here but that's that's really my only nitpick here and it's it's not just this movie marvel has had issues with this forever i still think the airport scene civil war is very very bland color wise but a lot of people have brought that up yeah it's i can totally see and see that's like i'm I go back and forth on it, especially with this trailer, because all of the gold stuff, like whatever their powers are, what they're doing with all the little gold ribbons and stuff, like pops hard and it looks beautiful. But yeah, like like all of the tone, all of their costumes are really really muted. So I don't know necessarily why that is. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, because Marvel is is definitely. How like like you said, they definitely like they do basically the same color palette for every movie, except basically. for like Thor Ragnarok, which yeah, which I love because, the color palette for that though. Yeah, but that's because Taika Waititi is involved and he does whatever he wants. Well, also, uh, Guardians Volume Two has a really vivid color palette. I think it's mm-hmm. they want other planets to look a certain way and earth to look a certain way. But like when I read Fantastic Four or Spider Man, like those are bright and vivid and. I, I kind of want the same thing for the movies, and I that's just my super nitpick, and I understand that. But if Aquaman could pull it off, and I know Aquaman wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but it's still my favorite DCEU movie because it was a movie, but it also yeah. respected the source material. Like, um, It feels like every big action set piece is just those two-page splash pages from a comic come to life, and I, I really, mm-hmm. really love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's uh, I think some of the stuff in this trailer it does feel just it just feels like um, comics come to life in a certain in a certain aspect. And to their credit, and I think you and I have kind of mentioned this before, I see Marvel kind of flexing their muscles eat, while the you know the color palettes are still a little muted. Costumes are getting really comic book accurate here. Oh, those recently. costumes look awesome. Just just brighten so, up the saturation a little bit more. Yeah. So and but then again, maybe that's just that that part of the movie because we only see them in the section of the movie where they first come up. Mm. So who knows? So I feel like we talked briefly about this before there was any like actual casting a few months ago, but now there is actual casting and the internet of course has plenty of opinions. So we've known for a little bit that Warner Brothers seems intent on doing a Willy Wonka origin movie, which I still think is an (laughs) odd choice. Well, now we've found our Wonka in, if it's not Tom Holland, it's Timothy Chalamet because no one... Hollywood knows no other young 20-something white guys. Um, oh boy. This one is going to be tough for me because Willy Wonka, more specifically Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book, and then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original movie, which it's still weird that those names are whatever, uh, holds a very yeah. special place in my heart for me. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's like the most used book I have. It's so beat up because I read it so much. And here's where I'm going to make some people mad. I don't think this movie's a good idea. But also, you should have went with Tom Holland. I know everyone's just like, Tom Holland gets cast in everything. I think Tom Holland is a better option. Given what we've heard about this project, I think Tom Holland would have been a better option than Timothy Chalamet. 
Both of them are great actors. However, they're saying this is a musical that will require a lot of singing and dancing. I have never seen Chalamet sing or dance. Maybe he can do it. Hmm. Tom Holland. Can he sing and dance? Hmm. It's almost like that was his entire background before becoming Spider-Man, which is how he's able to do some of the more acrobatic moves. Um, If you have not seen his lip sync battle, what rock have you been living under? I think both of these guys are tremendous actors. I personally would have gone with Tom Holland here, and I know that's the obligatory. Well, Tom Holland's got to be casting everything, says the Uncharted guy. Trust me, I'm well aware. Um, that being said, this is still an incredibly stupid idea. Like, yes. the magic and the wonder of Wonka himself is that we don't know his backstory. Isn't that right, Tim Burton? I, I don't get this because as a when I read this as a kid, I liked the notion and almost like the – not fan theory because I don't see too many people th- like openly posting this on forums and whatnot. But kind of as a reader, you're left to imagine is Willy Wonka actually magic? Does he have some magical properties to him? That's at least how I interpreted the character and giving him this backstory kind of literally takes away the magic. However yeah. – the director for this is the director of Paddington 2, which is, like, universally beloved. I have not seen either of the Paddington movies, but I've heard nothing but good things about them. That's the one glimmer of hope I have here. Yeah. I'm still very cautious about this movie just because it just seems typical WBF. We've got this property that we've been sitting on. Origin story the crap out of that. Yeah, like, hey, we haven't touched this in a while, and if we don't use it, uh, we're going to lose the rights to it. So, let's uh, let's make a movie every eight years or something. It, yeah, it's, I, you and I have said that this movie's not a good idea, it doesn't make sense, whatever, um, we don't throw the money at projects, so. We do for our discussion, though. <laughs> yeah! Um, <laughs> if we had money. However, I, while I agree that Tom Holland would be better. Um, it might be better for Tom not to be attached to this movie. <laughs> uh. So here's always the dangerous thing when I say yeah. this. I have an idea, which is never good. Right. You and I have said, uh, what was it, a very long time ago, that we think the ideal casting choice for a Willy Wonka would have been Taika Waititi because mm-hmm. he's got this like, you're kooky. I like you. I don't know if I trust you, but I like you. You seem zany. Mm-hmm. N- don't do Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator because that was a weird story. I don't know what Roald Dahl was thinking with that book. That was so bonkers, even compared to the original book. But I would love a dark comedy about Willy Wonka teaching Charlie the ropes of the factory. Like, what happens after the Great Glass Elevator of just, here's the day-to-day wackiness, and here are all the people trying to get my recipes, like Slugworth, and, oh, there's one of, there's like three main competitors that he had. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would love a continuation more so than an origin story here. Don't do a remake like you did in 2005. I know it sucks to recast, because Gene Wilder was perfect as Wonka. But continue it, or better yet, have a very, very old Wonka who is on his deathbed and Charlie more or less running the show and kind of losing his touch 
like he's lost the wonder in his eyes that made him want to inherit the factory in the first place because hmm it's just like growing up you don't have your imagination anymore you don't have your song and dance anymore mm-hmm. and maybe you need a new child to bring that magic and wonder back to charlie yeah no that makes sense i'm, I'm not yeah <laughs> i did it again hollywood i solved all your problems i, I, don't, I don't i don't yeah sure whatever uh, it's, it's one of those like any idea is better than the one they're giving us <laughs> uh, speaking of interesting things yeah speaking of interesting things however i think this is a good great amazing thing how I, i'll be honest though it's a thing that i didn't actually believe was real what, what i mean by that is we are getting a backer movie And it's been in development for a very, very long time. However, I've not believed that this is actually a project until now. I I say that because this movie was announced in mid to mid-ish, early to mid-2017. Right around the time that Joss Whedon was brought on board to do the reshoots for Justice League. Warner Brothers signed Joss Whedon on to do Batgirl. And then once Justice League started not going their direction, they're just like, oh, we'll, we'll pull you off Batgirl. You can go back to Batgirl uh, once you're done with these Justice League reshoots. To which, even then, I was like, no. He's not doing a Batgirl movie. Yeah. He's That's a cover for why they're bringing him in. This Batgirl thing, he's not actually working on it. And sure enough, after Justice League came out, about a month or two later, Joss Whedon departs Batgirl movie, and then we've heard basically nothing since then. So I was always yeah. of the opinion that that was just a smokescreen that the studio came up with of why Joss Whedon is magically working on Justice League and why he just happens to be in the studio or in the proximity of the Justice League movie. Uh, however, I think it was a few months back we got Christina Hodson, who did uh, who wrote Birds of Prey and is writing the Flash movie, is working on the script. Well, now we've taken another massive step forward in that we have the directors now attached to it. I say directors because it's the directing duo who brought us the most recent Bad Boys movie, Bad Boys for Life, which have not seen it yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. A lot of people are claiming that this is actually their favorite of the entire franchise, which, okay, quick quick nitpick here. Um, Y'all should have bet on yourself, Bad Boys here. You should have just called this one Bad Boys 3, and then the next one, because you're doing another one, you should have called that one Bad Boys for Life. Come on. Oh, just come on, guys. You missed a perfectly good opportunity here. Um, <laughs> this, to me, means, oh, wow, you you actually are working on this project. And this, Oops, this project's me. will actually be uh, HBO Max exclusive, not for theaters. But About that, though, um... Will HBO Max exist at that point, or will this be will this be one of the first movies that'll appear on the new Discovery HBO Max streaming service? Because I know Josh is giving me this look right now of like he thinks this is a bad idea, but Josh, think about it. What HBO Max movies have come out that also didn't release in theaters? See, they need they need original yeah, movies. They no, need original movies right. as well as shows. You're right, but like... Static is going to be on HBO Max. Really? And that's it? Static. The Static movie will be on HBO Max. Blue Beetles, HBO Max, I believe. 
That's not right. necessarily so, a bad thing. No, okay, like, and hear me out, okay? So, real quick, directors for Bad Boys for Life, haven't seen the movie yet, heard great things, but, yeah, sure, that's, let's throw them in this, that's why not, why not, sure, okay. I mean, there's a lot of worse decisions you can make, so it's, you know, at this point, we're just happy it's happening. Um, oh, I'm very happy, but I'll get into that. No, no. Um, Follow my train of thought. Stop. <laughs> I I think the message that I'm getting from Blue Beetle, Static, and Batgirl being HBO Max exclusive, to me that says we don't want our our, like, unique, but quote-unquote progressive, I, I don't want to use the word progressive here, but like, you know, like our our diverse cast, we don't want them to be in theaters. See? Because we don't believe in them. See, I interpret it different. I interpret it as you and I are big comic fans and know the material. If I ask my parents or some of my non-comic friends, who is Blue Beetle? Who is Static? We would know Static, or people of our generation might know Static from the TV show. But if I'm HBO, I gotta be thinking about all quadrants. The older demographic does not know who Static Shock is. They don't know who Blue Beetle is. They know the name Batgirl. But if you asked, who is Batgirl? They'd be like, well, Batman's assistant. But they they wouldn't be able to tell you more than likely that's Barbara Gordon um, or what their skill set is. So I get that. And for your not as big properties, you would want to put on HBO Max, and then if they become, if they get a lot of foot traffic, then for the sequels, then you can put those on in the theaters and whatnot. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I just there's definitely the you, when you do it that way, you run the risk. At least in my mind, you run the risk of making your audience do homework before you see the, a movie in the theaters. You know what I mean? I mean, in this day and age, everyone kind of, at least in my vision, you've got people like that that will do some research, quote-unquote research, ahead of time, the bare minimum. Or you've got certain people like my parents that don't really do a ton of research going in it, but they expect to have the blanks filled in when they see the movie, and a good movie should do that. And I I trust that these movies, like, a lot of people that saw Into the Spider-Verse didn't know who Miles Morales was before the movie. You don't have to know who the character is in their full life story before you see their movie. I think it's if the trailer hooks you enough and the premise seems interesting enough and the movie does its job, then you're you're then you're involved. Like okay. we've we've yeah, seen yeah, some yeah, good yeah. streaming movies from properties that we don't necessarily know a ton about, but through the process of good storytelling we will we'll care about those characters okay sorry let me rephrase what i was saying then i because you're, you're you're right i like but i was more concerned that they're going to try to build on the stories that they tell on hbo max without you know without filling in the blanks and just being like hey yeah well you know there's movies on hbo max you can go watch the, watch those See, so I, that you're informed you know what i mean that's that's i, think I don't what think i'm worried about well, you mean like what Disney Plus does right now? Um, yeah, exactly. I don't think this will be connected to the movies. I think this will be their own separate thing, which raises the question of like, who's Batgirl's Batman for this? Is it going to be Keaton? Is it going to be Affleck? Is it going to be yet another new Batman? 
Um, mm. That raises a whole bunch of questions here. Uh, however, I choose to look with optimism here because <laughs> my project got canceled four years ago with a Nightwing movie. This is the first sign of life. It is a desperate sign of life. I will give you that. But a key person in the life of Barbara Gordon and has been almost from the get-go has been one Senior Dick Grayson. I, I don't know what that was, but Senior Dick Grayson, if he's not in the first movie, he's got to be at least in the second background movie because she's such a big part of his life and vice versa. Josh is just... Bro, you are reaching so hard. I don't think I am. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, also, let's just say Batgirl will not be the last time we're mentioning her today as she might show up later in somebody's pitch. Um, but no, Nightwing and Batgirl are so inexplicably li- linked together as I actually have a Batgirl pop on my desk at any given moment. Um there's the two characters are so inexplicably linked together and have been so so long that even if it's not a buddy cop movie which oh dear god if we got a nightwing and batgirl team up movie that are just two squabbling exes trying to get a job done together yes please even if we don't get that there's no way you don't at least have some passing mention to him or like they work together in some capacity. C- come on. This at least cracks the door open a little bit for Nightwing. Look, okay. Before, before there was like a 5 to 0% chance of Nightwing ever showing up on the big screen. Now it's like an yeah. 8 to 9% chance. And that's like that's like a huge stock market rise to me. We're going we're going to take Dick Grayson to the moon. <laughs> No, it's like the it's like the um, Obi Wan meme, one of many of like, no, no, R two, we need to be going up, not down. Um, <laughs> we need to be moving closer. I, look, dude, as long as they don't, as long as they don't do try to squeeze in the much hated uh, story arc where Barbara Gordon and Bruce end up together. Like, that's all I. That's all. All I. That's the all I care about. Like, don't bring that in here. Get that trash out of here. Well. Speaking of Batman and Batgirl being together, that was the idea of the brainchild of Bruce Tim. No, that was actually Paul Dini's idea. But Paul Dini and Bruce Tim worked together to do the original Batman animated series. Well, it looks like we're getting a new Batman animated series, except this time for HBO Max. And I just rejoice, 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 because... We initially thought we might be getting a continuation of Batman the Animated Series, which would be fantastic with me as well. Uh, however, this seems like it's going to be a new show that's going to be drawing more on the noir elements of Batman. So, basically Batman the Animated Series. Which, if this artwork is anything to go by, dude, sign me up. Uh, they also made a point to, I think this is going to be more of a family-oriented show, not like a Harley Quinn, which... Is great, but your kids should not be watching the Harley Quinn show um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, they This seems like right up the perfect alley for Batman. Plus, if you're not sold on yet another Batman animated series, because admittedly there there has been a ton with the original animated series, The Batman, Batman Brave and mm. Bold, the underrated The Batman, which only existed for one season, unfortunately. Not, no, Beware of the Batman. Um... The people behind this movie 
oh, dude. The executive producers on this show will be upcoming The Batman director Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, who I still believe is going to be the, the head of the DC Films section, and original animated series creator Bruce Timm, who did the entire original DC animated universe, which was Static, Superman animated series, Justice League. This is perfect. And in addition to that, we also got confirmation of a new animated Superman show with Jack Quaid voicing Superman, the guy from The Boys, which is going to be more of his day-to-day and will be also more targeted towards kids, which I'm totally fine with because, guys, there's allowed to be comic book content just geared towards children because if you just have nothing but Invincible and The Boys... You're not going to have a next generation to watch your comic book movies going forward. Wait. So you're trying to say that maybe we should lay off of Teen Titans Go a little bit? Mm, it's almost like the show knows what it is. And what? that's okay. No way. Okay. But that would mean I'd have to accept the fact that the Teen Titans Go to the movies is fantastic. Oh, dude. It's I, so good. It's so good. <laughs> I almost died laughing in Teen Titans go to the movies so many times when they run over the polar bear and yes. his dad's a cop run get out of here yes I think that's that's a big issue with comic book fans is thinking that everything that comes out comic book wise has to be targeted for them I'm going no I don't watch Supergirl because it's not targeted for me and that's fine I don't watch Teen Titans go because it's not targeted for me and that's fine. But if Teen Titans Go or Supergirl or the New 52 or whatever other controversial thing gets someone, just one person into comics, then to me it's a success because you get more people on these fantastic stories. Uh, yeah. We've got this new animated Batman show. Josh, what would you like to see for from this show? Hmm. I mean, I'd like more episodes of The Batman, but whatever. Um, ended in, like, 2008. And I'm still bitter! <laughs> it's on HBO Max. Suck it up. I know, I know. Um, it also had one of the weirdest Banes ever. Yeah, but also one of, like, the most unique Jokers, so... Mm. And Riddlers. Dude, it's such a good... Okay, like, I just... Uh, real shout-out. Like, the Batman is so good. The and Batman versus it. Dracula. Woot, woot. Oh, so, anyway... Uh, all right, so <laughs> what would I like out of this show? Um, uh, 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 I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like um, you're rebooting eternal internally. There, you're just like frozen yeah. lag. There, I I I don't like. I know what I don't want. I don't want a rehash of Batman the Animated Series. I don't want it just to like, hey, look. We made a new Batman the Animated Show, and uh, it's just the animated series with a new modern animation. Although it's not what I, which I, I, I'm worried that that might happen, but the, at the same time, like I don't know. You might not be totally off base because, um, yeah, look at the font of Batman Cape Crusader. Mm-hmm. That looks suspiciously like Batman the Animated Series. Which, if that's the case, and I can dream, Harold, Phantasm, Phantasm. 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 Okay, so I also talked about Lego DC Supervillains. There's a bonus level that you can play that's the finale of Mask of the Phantasm in Lego form. And nice. I was just like, I have never needed anything more in my entire life than this. Um, I think this is great. There's a lot of great characters that you can draw upon. I like that all the 
previous incarnations of Batman animated shows have tried to focus on different things. Like the animated series is much more focused on noir, whereas I think the Batman is more focused on the action, and it was good action. But then uh, Batman Brave and the Bold is much more of a throwback of trying to do like the 60s and 70s style. I I don't know where to go with this direction, but all the producers that we've seen with this, with Abrams, Reeves, and Tim, oh, dude, sign me up. I'm immediately interested. Yeah, let's go. Now this this next now this next one I can speak. Now this next one <laughs> Now whose brain is rebooting? <laughs> still yours. Um Now this next one. I'm really, really excited, but also cautious about it at the same time. So anybody that's played the DC games recently knows of the tremendous success that they've had with their two Injustice games and their subsequent Injustice comics. So now they're just like, you know what? We need to turn that success into a movie. An animated movie, which, okay, um, I'll be honest. I would much rather have an animated movie mm-hmm. of Injustice than a live-action one because I know that's kind of more or less what Zack Snyder was going for with his nightmare world of, like, Superman is the villain and there's a rogue group trying to trying to stop him. That does not interest me at all. Um, and I know... There's some people that are really down for that idea. They like, they really like the idea of like an evil Superman. I, to me, I'm tired of the evil yeah. Superman trope. It feels like we've done that a lot lately, and I don't know. I I want to get back to traditional Superman. I think the reason why the first Injustice worked for me and the second Injustice game didn't so much is the first Injustice has this evil Superman, but he's on a separate timeline, and you still have good Superman that comes in later yeah. in the game, and you have. Good Superman versus evil Superman. That works to me. In Justice 2, there was not these two separate timelines and two separate Earths. There was only this one Earth that you were on. So if your favorite hero was bad on one Earth in the first game, they're stuck being bad this entire time for the second game, which is kind of where I had some issues with the second one of like the element of choice is taken out. I think this works really, really well as an animated movie, as a concept at least. Uh, now, two questions that I have for you, Josh, is mm-hmm. do these new animated movies, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Justice Society, The Long Halloween, they all seem to be set in the same universe. Do you think this would be set in that universe or a separate one? And do you see this being an R-rated movie? Yes to R-rated. And I, I, at this point, I don't know why you wouldn't confirm that, you know, hey, this batch of movies this is all in the same universe, and then be like, except for this new one we got coming out. Like, well, that's you know, how they, they used to do it. Like, oh, Under sorry, the Red Hood and all those yeah. separate ones. I mean, yeah, I guess. But... but even, to be fair, even when they had the animated ones of, like, Justice League War and Throne of Atlantis and all those movies, they would still come out with Justice League versus the Fatal Five, which is a completely detached timeline. So, yeah. Um, I kind of don't want it to be in this animated universe just because I think it would be cooler if we kept the animation style from the games. And what yes. they've got in the current universe, while I like the art style, it does kind of remind me of Archer a little bit. It looks so drastically different from the Injustice games. Um, I'm not ready to see Dick Grayson dead again, but um, if we're getting an Injustice game, unfortunately we have to because he gets killed by Damien. And then um, coincidentally, the guy that kills Damien in the Injustice Comics, 
the guy that killed Nightwing in the Injustice comics is now writing the Nightwing comics. Yay. But he's actually doing a great job, so he understands the character. I think this Look, is a good idea. Um, yeah. Within reason. I think animated universe, you're more free to experiment and try weird things. Like I said, they just did a Justice Society movie. Yes, we're going to have the Justice Society in a certain extent in the Black Adam movie, but you could explore those characters much more. The risk is lower in an animated straight-to-DVD movie, yeah. which is what this will be. I wouldn't be surprised if they'll have like a one or two night engagement where you can see it in theaters like they did with the killing joke. Um, hey, 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 hey. The first 30 minutes of killing joke is absolute garbage. But after that, it is yeah, Okay, I thought you were about to say the first 30 minutes no. were good. I was like, no. No, 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 no. no. It, literally, like when I saw it and I, I have the, you know, the DVD or whatever, I like skip until that section with that girl is over. Boom and go, because <laughs> it's just not worth watching. But um, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of things that could go wrong with this. Uh, I think my 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 personal two conditions are uh, uh, don't go as far as the comics did. I as cool as, as it sounds on paper, I don't want a god Batman. Oh, you um, don't want you don't want Superman melting Billy Batson's brain. Anyway, and I know he's in the second game. But can I get Atrocitus, please? Just, just maybe, just maybe. You had Atrocitus in the second. Okay, so you had Atrocitus in the second one and Lobo yes. in the first one. You, yeah. you, Josh, are in charge of Warner Brothers. You can only keep one of them. Who are you keeping for the movie? Atrocitus. <laughs> like, no, not even a question. Like, what are you talking about, man? Atrocitus is the is a way more interesting than Atrocitus and his cat. <laughs> What's the cat's name? I don't know. <laughs> no, you know what we need for an upcoming DC movie is Atrocitus's cat versus Tikal, Clary and the Boy Wizard's cat in a fight to the death. And in the background, uh, Lobo's bulldog dog is just wandering around. <laughs> well, oh boy. Ooh. Well, it's a good thing that we're talking about pets and dc related pets because guys i'm not joking when i say this we are getting a dc super pets movie now that's been in the works for a while but we haven't really heard anything about it in a very long time so i kind of figured that you know maybe they forgot about it but <laughs> no <laughs> Oh, you would be so lucky. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they forgot about it, but I'm also, I'll be honest, I don't hate the idea of a DC Super Pets movie, especially given the fact that they've cast their first voice actor for this, and that is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, to which I'm just going, okay... What studio executive has some dirt on the rock that they're like, that they're like, okay, either you're in this movie or we leak. Actually, I'm going to break the hat out in a bit oh, here because no. that trust me when I say it, it's tinfoil hat there, but I don't think it's too crazy. There's some good and some bad here. I'll be honest. The weird, actually, not bad, it's good and weird. Weird is you cast The Rock 
to voice Crypto the Super Dog. Crypto the Super Dog, for those that don't know, is a dog that came to Earth with with Clark when he comes in the pod. So he's basically a Kryptonian dog. He's got all the superpowers of Superman. He's just a dog. Now voiced by The Rock. Here's the thing, though. And this is going to make me lose some people. I know that's totally fine. Ever since they've announced this movie, and it's an animated movie, let's clarify that. Ever since they announced this animated movie, I've kind of actually really been on board with the idea for this. Because Teen Titans go to the movies, I had my doubts, but I loved it. And movies for kids about comic book characters is totally fine. Having the Super Pets is a fun idea. Crypto the Super Dog. I know we're getting him, and I can't wait. Ace the Bat Hound. Just yes. We're getting Ace. Um, Ace is Batman's dog, and I'm sure we'll be brought up later when one of Josh's pitches, unless... No, I don't know what you're talking about. Unless, if you don't have Ace, you're fired. So you might want to change your script if you don't have Ace in their story. Um, but I think that's a fun concept. Now, here's... If oh, I'm, I don't know who's yeah, doing this. Story, yep. I don't know who's doing this movie, but you know who I would have killed for? The Lego movie guys. Um, if Lord Miller were doing this, I would. Ooh. Right? That I, would be fine. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic about this, minus the, the Rock. That's just an odd choice. However, we'll cut to Josh, and then we'll come back to me with the tinfoil hat, because I, I think there is more to this story. No, no. What more could there be? It's just super pets. Mm-mm. Uh, I don't think so. But Josh, no way. What? No, it's just super pets. <laughs> well, we're gonna get, bro. I swear, no. If if the monkey from the the Wonder Twins doesn't show up, I don't want this movie to happen. I'm gonna be straight with you. <laughs> I just, but no, it could be fun. I don't. Or I think the Beast Boy question, is in it, but he's stuck as an animal the entire time. Stop. <laughs> oh, the, I see. And I think that at the end of the day, I think this just like is an opportunity to have fun. So I think the question here is, who do you cast as Ace? Because to to me, Jensen Jensen with Eccles would be perfect. <laughs> He's voicing Batman right now. Why not make him make him Ace? Will Arnett, just like he did in a Lego Batman movie. Stop! Oh my god! I say Will Arnett, or uh, just some grumpy, growly voice, like a Clint Eastwood type voice. Josh I think would be perfect. Oh, Josh Brolin would be perfect. <laughs> now, once Thanos, now Ace the the Bat Dog. <laughs> bat Hound. He's a hound. Dang it. Now, no, okay. he's a bad dog. So, bad dog. I've got the hat for a reason. And here's, again, I haven't worn the hat in a while, so my crazy conspiracy theories are a bit rusty. And this is one is going to be a little crazy. But go with me here. In uh, Hollywood, Josh, have you ever heard of one for you and one for me, kind of, basically? Of like... <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. Hold on, are you... <laughs> are you about to say that... Uh, the producers were like, all right, Brock, we know you want to be Black Adam really bad, but we're going to need something from you first. Oh, no, 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 no. I think they they have got The Rock for a while with Black Adam because he, he's more or less been around forever attached to this project. 
I don't think it's him that he's worried about for Black Adam. Here's here's my crazy thought, and I have no fact or information to base this off of whatsoever. This is just me spitballing here. We have known for a very long time that The Rock intends on making Black Adam the biggest and most headlining attraction in the DCEU. He keeps saying um, the power, like the power structure of DC is about to change or something like that. And he's very, very keen on someday fighting Superman. And not just any Superman. He wants Henry Cavill. The two of them are good friends. I believe they still have, they, like Henry Cavill's agent works for The Rock's ex-wife or something. Like, they're good friends. The Rock has said for a very long time that he wants to square off against Superman. Studio seems to want to go in a different direction Superman actor-wise. What if, and again, I have no basis for this whatsoever. What if The Rock is like, I want Henry Cavill for my next Black Adam movie. And they're like, okay, we'll bring Henry back. We'll bring Henry back for your next Black Adam movie if and only if you voice this character for this animated movie. Because honestly, Crypto the Superdog, as much as I like the character, is not a headlining attraction. Crypto the Superdog is a is a gimmick at best. Crypto's a gimmick. So if the studio comes to The Rock and is just like, if you want Henry Cavill in your next Black Adam movie, we need you to voice one one character here. One, you, we do one for we do a favor. You do a favor for us. We'll do a favor for you, and we'll let you have Cavill for this movie. I know it's a little bit out hmm. there, but hmm. knowing how studios work with their You've got to do some stuff to get some stuff. Yeah, you, you we scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sure, why not? <laughs> you doubted the point, theory. You doubted, and you're just like, oh, I mean, crap. I mean, here's the thing, man. At this point, WB is so, like, weird about their DC properties. Anything's possible. So, why not? Let's say yes. Honestly, to me, the only confusion I have is why is crypto, because I feel like his voice, I, I almost would could see, I don't know, I kind of want, whatever the, I, I kind of want Dwayne to do the voice of the, the, the Wonder Monkey now, but yeah, that's in my head. Anyway, Danny um, Trejo. Oh, dude. Okay, it, bring Danny. Danny, I don't know why, of all people, I'm trying to bring back the Wonder Twins, but yeah, you know. Yeah, it, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Of all, I, I, my worry she, is there's some executive that was just like, Oh, cryptocurrency is big right now. Oh, wait, you're telling me we have a, we have a character called no. Crypto? Let's make a movie about that. No. Oh, I'm sad because it could be true. <laughs> oh, okay. Geez. Josh, you want to do a sponsor? We read, quote unquote, read for us this week. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Today's episode of Uncharted Media is brought to you in part by Tea Public. If you need a coffee mug with a uh, our logo on it, go just just go there, man. It's come on, it it's just cooler than all of your other coffee mugs. And don't wear your stupid normal shirts anymore. Just wear Uncharted Media shirts; they're cooler. 
right, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Josh is a pitch man. We'll I put his pitch pitching man. skills to the test. Oh, because dude. we're going to be pitching not one, not two, but three. Three separate stories for three separate characters or groupings. So, um, at least for me, I'm not going to say trilogies of stories because mm-hmm. most of them are trilogies, but one of them is a quadrilogy. I decided to go the Ooh. Twilight route. Um, but nice. also, my, my rationale for it makes a little bit more sense at least to me but i i'll probably save that one for last because believe it or not that one's probably my most fleshed out one so i have three people that if i was in charge of warner brothers and was given free reign of characters what would i do with specific characters in terms of like mapping their overall multi-story arc like how Zack snyder originally intended there to be a superman arc between man of steel and justice league three uh, whatever his narrative was going to come to an end. If I was given free reign of certain characters, what would I do? How would I overall lay out their narrative? So for me, I've got Superman, Nightwing, and The Flash. But nice. I'll go Flash first, then I'll go Nightwing, then I'll end with Superman. Um, okay. Okay. Josh, who are you bringing to the table this week? So I have, I have a solo buddy cop movie with Lobo. I have a two-parter with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because technically they're owned by Dark Horse, which is owned by DC and all this other stuff. I believe. Uh, no, I Nick- might need Nickelodeon to. owns Ninja Turtles. I might now. I don't know. That's why Seth no, Rogen I mean, is I'm doing that. Com- I'm talking about comics. Oh, comics-wise? Comic-wise, I think... I mean, it's their, their, their comic history is, is so weird. Yeah, it's anyway. complicated. I know at one point they were owned by Dark Horse. <laughs> That's all I know. And so I am using that as an excuse to write a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story. It's a two-parter. Woo. Um, and I might have gone in way too much detail on it. Um, <laughs> Do it, brother. Um, and then I have a Batman Beyond trilogy. Shocker! That should come as a know, shock right? to no one. I know, right? So ter- so so uh, so outside my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> you want to start first? You want me to start first? How do you want to do um, this? Um, I'll start. Why All not? Right. All right. What you All what right. you got? I'm gonna go with what I would perceive as my weakest story that I have on this Alrighty. on our our. So let's go with with my Lobo. It's a solo adventure. Um, I've titled it. It's just. A solo Lobo. It's a solo Lobo. Um, One night in but... Lobo. <laughs> no, no. The title of the movie is <laughs> Lobo Bulldogs of the Universe. <laughs> That's crazy enough to work, man. Bro, okay, so here's the thing, all right? This movie cannot work in so many different ways, but it's a story that would be hilarious to tell. For us comic book nerds, right? So, for those that don't know, Lobo and Guy Gardner, the, the Green Lantern, are best friends. Uh, Lobo has a bulldog, an alien bulldog named Dog, <laughs> that, that is always getting into trouble. And one of Lobo's biggest enemies in comics is Etrigan the Demon. So, Etrigan. We're telling a story with these characters. Um, so basically what I've got is um, Lobo, his dog, has gone missing, and 
uh, he decides to go search for him because he misses his dog, even though he, whenever dog does things, he's just like, that's not my dog. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not mine. He's, that's somebody else's dog. He doesn't do anything. So um, he goes to a bar called Warriors, which is owned by our best bud, Guy Gardner, <laughs> and it you know, asks for his help, and then they go to, to Earth, and it turns into a hyper-violent <laughs> buddy cop movie uh, as they find out that um, Dog is in the possession of... or Etrigan is in the possession of Dog, um, and being that Etrigan is Lobo's uh, <laughs> mortal enemy, <laughs> um, he, he's like, assumes the worst, goes in, you know, w- uh, without the help of Guy, goes to hell to face Etrigan, and turns out Dog just got lost wandering around and cuddled up next to the bed of Etrigan. So, yay. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it's, Lobo was, a, the more I did research on him, uh, the more and more I felt like there was no way I, uh, I personally could want to try to tell a really serious bounty hunter story. I think like, Lobo you can't be serious with. No, you can't. Uh, like It was either do this kind of story or do a a mockumentary with Lobo that is like uh, akin to like Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> but so it was, I mean, it could be fun. It would be intergalactic and in certain which it would show other ways that other stuff that happens in the DC universe outside of Superman, Batman and stuff like that. So I don't know. It could be fun. Who knows? I think I flew <laughs> out some ideas around to you and we were brainstorming stuff. Yeah. It's like, if I was doing a Lobo one, I would want, it's either he does a successful hit for somebody kind of like the Mandalorian. And then the guy that uh, paid him, orders the hit on Lobo in return. Like, yeah. I'm going to double-cross you before you can double-cross me. And so you get other bounty hunters. Maybe you get Edrigan. Maybe you get Atrocitus. I'm just fan-servicing Josh at this point. Yeah, uh, basically. <laughs> just call it Lobo Hunted. or And he just goes from planet to planet, basically trying to survive. Um, the, the, other, uh, the other idea I had was to do his origin story, but I couldn't figure out a way to keep him as an anti-hero at the end of the movie because with what his origin story is literally he kills everybody on his planet because he wanted to have fun. That's that's his origin story basically. That's why he's the last one of his race. So it's like um there's no way I could not paint you as a villain here. Um what mm, would it so uh, what what you want to you want to to show us how it's done here. For, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll go with my what I think is my weakest, which is my Flash trilogy, which I still kind of feel like I've ironed out some of the details, but it's kind of broad. So I would start us off with what we're probably going to get with the Flash. Like, I would have do Flashpoint later, but we can do a jumping off point of whatever this new Flash movie is, including the two separate Batmans, Ben Affleck's and Michael Keaton's. So... We can piggyback this off of Zack Snyder's Justice League, just like the Flash movie will of Flash having discovered that, hey, in small doses, I can go back in time. Can I go? How far back in time can I go? And so using Ben Affleck's Batman's help and getting him a new not god awful suit, he'll go back in time to try and save his mother, a la Flashpoint. 
But instead of running into Thomas Wayne, he'll run into Michael Keaton's Batman. And the world is a very, very different place. So it's very much that Flashpoint storyline. However, because I really couldn't think of where else to put the villains of Flash's rogues gallery later in this trilogy, and you'll see why... Uh, normally reverse Flash is the main villain for a lot of Flash stories, but mainly Flashpoint. Um, I'm going to save him for later. So instead of one general villain, it's kind of going to be like a Back to the Future thing of just going back in time is the main villain. That will completely screw everything up. But there's still going to be some Flash villains of kind of like how in Arkham City, the video game, all the main Gotham villains took sections of Arkham City and claimed it their territory. Like Penguin had this, Two-Face had this. In this Flash movie, different parts of the world are occupied and controlled by different Flash villains. And so to get the pieces he needs to go back to his own timeline, he's going to have to go to these different places. Like go to Gorilla City and get past Gorilla Grodd. Go over here and defeat Mirror Master. Go over here and defeat Captain Cold or Dr. Alchemy. Some characters that may not be strong enough to really lead their own movie, but can be strong supporting characters and have Flash's rogues gallery. Because if you... Admittedly, some of these characters, like Mirror Master, Captain Cold, they're interesting, but they're good starter villains for a relatively new and inexperienced Flash, which is what this is. Because he does not have a mentor yet. But that'll be our plot of our second movie. So once... Barry gets enough pieces to assemble a cosmic treadmill to go back in time again to go back to his timeline, acknowledging that I can't save my mother. I'll just have to do this. I'll just have to go back to what I know and be the flash of my own timeline. He starts running on the treadmill and he enters the speed force to go back in time. However, since he hasn't been doing it this long, he's getting tired and more and more tired And just before he gets back to his own timeline, he's about to lose it when a force pushes him from behind and pushes him through the speed force back to his own timeline. Barry quickly turns around, sees no one's there because he's back in his own time. Looks down at his feet. There's going to be a tin hat with two wings on it. It's Jay Garrick's helmet, which the second movie, which we'll call Flash Lightning Strikes Twice, will be the search for Jay Garrick. Barry realizes, okay, if I'm going to be a speedster, I'm going to need to last Jedi this and find someone to teach me about what the speed force is because I've used it irresponsibly before. So I need someone to teach me the ways of the speed force. And also, I think that guy may have been trapped there. And so this will be him trying to get Jay out of the speed force. That'll be the first half of the movie. And the second half will be him learning the speed force and the ways of a speedster from Jay Garrick. And also dealing with our villain for this one and why we're going to call this Lightning Strikes Twice. One, because we've got two speedsters, but also you're going to need two speedsters when you have a villain that can be in two places at once in Godspeed. So Godspeed's Mm. whole gimmick is he's so fast he can be in two places at once. And also, it's a Flash suit instead of, except instead of where it's red, it's white. And it's so sick. It's such a sweet costume. And so together you can have Jay team up with Barry to defeat um godspeed and maybe you can sacrifice jay garrick if you really want to but given that you just introduced him i wouldn't yet um you can have jay continue to teach barry to be the flash that he's meant to be then in our third one we're going to call this one flash forward and it's instead of impulse coming to our timeline 
we're going to send Barry to Impulse's timeline. So Impulse, nice. Impulse is the grandson of Barry Allen's Flash. He's a super speedster from the future. So what happens if Barry, instead of going back in time to save his mother, somehow in just a routine mission, ends up going into the future and goes into what is now a dystopian future. And the only speedster that can help him is his great-grandson, Bart Allen, a.k.a. Impulse. And Barry, seeing this destruction and everything else, is like, well, what happened? What What's gone? What's happened to our world? Did I do something to cause this? And here's where we have Reverse Flash going, mm. it was me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> I was the one that killed your mom. So we can use that as a mystery for the entire trilogy here as opposed to one movie over and done with. We know it was Reverse Flash. It was, okay, this is who it was. You just messed up my past. And instead of... so. The character in the comics of Reverse Flash is a speedster from the future that wanted to be like the Flash. And so he killed Flash's mom to more or less give him the motivation to be Flash, thus creating him through circumstances. But if Flash gets taken to Reverse Flash's timeline instead of components coming to Barry, Barry goes to the components. It's completely mm. fish out of water. And because of this, he's Barry slash the Flash's confidence as an as is at an all-time low. To which Bart needs to pick his grandfather's motivation back up and goes, come with me. You were a big deal back in your day and you still are. And he takes him to the Flash Museum where we've, we haven't seen this yet in the movies. And we kind of left it because he skips so far into the future. But he goes, Bart shows Barry and goes, because of you, you saved this. You did this. You did this. You are destined for great things someday, Flash. You will be a great hero someday. You are my grandfather, and I'm proud of the man you were and are. Let's go save the day. So grandfather and grandson teaming up together. I just like the idea of of the Flash family of multiple speedsters working together. So once mm -hmm. they figure out a way to stop Reverse Flash, Barry goes back to his normal timeline and realizes the Flash that he's meant to be, and that kind of... That kind of makes him the Flash that he's always meant and supposed to be the ultimate Flash, if you will. That's rad, dude. I like that story a lot. It's a lot better than my uh, uh, patched together Lobo story. <laughs> that, that's my weak one. Yeah. Oh, dude. Let's go. You ready? You ready? Yeah, man. Ugh, all right. All right. I'm going with. Uh, I'm going to give you my trilogy. Coming up here. Uh, so Batman Beyond um, got, is easily... I mean, I think you love Nightwing is one of your favorite Batman characters, and I, I just so he's love... Got it, who I've got next. Yeah, I just... I love Batman Beyond so much. Uh, Terry McGinnis, to me, is more interesting in a lot of ways than Bat than Bruce Wayne. Yep, that's why um, I like Dick. Great. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You want to do you want to rephrase that there, bud? Anyway, um, family show, family show. The uh, the first movie I have is The Darkness Beyond. Is what I'm titled. <laughs> um. So we're gonna open with Terry's father mysteriously being murdered. I don't want to. I'm. There's gonna be some beats in this first one that's gonna be hard to differentiate from the show. But it's important that it's completely. It's obvious that his dad, his father's murdered, 
but it's not the Jokers. It's not the gang, and they and it's. I want Terry to be able to go through these lists of people and be like, well, it wasn't this guy, and it wasn't this, and it wasn't this. Like a mystery so, type. Yeah, it's got. It has to be a mystery. So, throughout the entire film, right into he he after the funeral, he becomes so upset, sneaks off, takes his motorbike as you know again. But this is this is kind of like the beats of the of the first episode of the show, you know. He sneaks off, he sneaks into an abandoned mansion because he thinks, you know, I just need a place to be alone. Turns out to be Wayne Manor, you know. Ends up so you know through happenstance meets Bruce, steals the suit, comes back, and Bruce is like, well, you've already seen everything. Either I kill you or I let you, you know, try be Batman or whatever. So it's we're gonna kind of do this adventure of Terry in the first film becoming Batman for the first time, finding out what that means and what that means, what he's going to bring to the table. Um, eventually, uh, Bruce starts helping him. Yeah. Eventually Bruce starts helping him kind of piece together certain things about his, uh, about what his dad was into. His dad's like the super smart guy was about, was really starting to change the city in a certain way. Um, and turns out I want it doesn't really matter who the killer turns out to be. I I had Riddler like a new Riddler up originally, but I was I was like ah, but that's what we think Matt Reeves is doing. So let's 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 just if it's Batman Beyond, that's a different Riddler. It doesn't have to be I, I Edward Nygma. I just I'm I'm trying to I was trying to differentiate it. So I brought in uh, Firefly, but have it be like a granddaughter of, of Garfield hmm. be taking up the mantle just to have some like still around, whatever. But it turns out to be Firefly, you know, I, Firefly has killed her dad, killed his dad. And in the final confrontation, she's an accident as in typical with Batman Beyond ends up killing her. Um, so he has to deal with in his first months as Batman, the rule of, I do not kill. Of like, hey, like, wh- where is my line? And like, he doesn't do it on purpose, but he still has to have that conversation with himself. Um, so, but through this, Bruce, of course, they get um, access to a computer. And one of the final shots of the movie is Terry flicking through the emails of the basically the kill order on her on his dad. And at the end, it's not of the email. It's not signed by anybody, but just a circle with an owl in it. Were so, the, the, oh, I was about to say, were the owls ever in Batman Beyond? But that's stupid because owls weren't in till twenty eleven. Continue. Yeah, no, they were not in the show. They're not in there. So, no. um, <laughs> the owls will be recurring later. Yes, I've, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, second movie's called Talon. Um. <laughs> Uh, geez, Josh, I wonder where you're going here. Um, so with him exploring more about his father's death, and once Bruce sees that emblem, he's like, oh, bro, I know exactly what's going on here, and kind of tells him the history and blah, blah, blah. And so they start trying to pull pull threads of like, okay, what, what does this organization look like now? What is, you know, what is the difference between the Court of Owls that Bruce had to deal with in the Court of Owls that is now operating in this, you know, hyper-technology world. Um, this it comes to a halt when a Talon 
basically tries to kill his Terry's mom and brother. Doesn't isn't official. Doesn't act. Isn't successful. Terry's able to stop him, but and his identity is still safe. His brother doesn't know. His mom doesn't know. But he's he's able to save them. So, but um, I want. What I don't want to happen is the Talons try to recruit Terry because they don't need him. They're the Court of Owls. We don't need some kid who's been Batman for less than, you know, for six months. Like, what do you have to offer? You're nothing. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, I mean, it's Terry. He's he's like, bro, like, I'm screw you. Like, and so he's he finds out where they're hiding all the talents and just is in a in a act of anger because like bro these are my this is my last family alive and you're going to come after them instead of talking to like coming and talking to me like screw you so he ends up having to fight this like huge army of talons um obviously cannot handle it because he's only been batman for like six months so bruce comes to his aid they're able to take out a bunch of them just as they as they think they're done, a talon sneaks up and kills Bruce. Like, kills, kills Bruce. That'll be very interesting later. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I, like, I'm, this is like, we're talking like, last 15 minutes of the movie is Bruce getting killed. And Terry have, trying to figure out what to do with that later. Um, he gets back to the Batcave, um, and there's a message on the computer and he, from Bruce. And it's, he clicks and he's like, it's basically like, hey, man, like, I'm coming to help you. I'm literally on my way right now. If I don't survive this, call this number. And Terry's like, all right, sure, whatever. Roll credits. And I, end credit scene, just because I think it works better here, um, is Terry calling the number. And you just come, it's just a close-up of his face. And over the speaker, you hear, oh, hey, this is Dick. Bruce said you might call. And then, boom. Curse you. Curse <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, boy. You, you're just doing this to fan service me, aren't you? No, I'm not. I, so honestly, how like, old is he at this point? He's probably like, what, 50 or 60? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was I'm aiming for late 50s, early 60s. So too old to get back in the game physically, but like – Depends on Give if you want to go to Nightwing New World Order. Yeah, yeah, or not. you know, I, I, old enough, old enough to not necessarily be in his prime, but young enough that he, if Terry truly needs help, that he, he can he can he can get it get he can throw down. So, last he... film, last film entitled Vengeance. <laughs> if you kill Dick. I will cut you off the air right now. You can't, you can't do nothing to me, bro. No, I'm not going to kill Dick. Um, <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> I don't um, believe you. <laughs> so, uh, in our last film is now Dick picking up with Terry where Bruce left off, continuing Terry's training, which because Dick has a, had a suit very similar to Terry, there's things that he can teach Terry that Bruce could never, never, never be able to teach him just because of how acrobatic Terry needs to be in now in that in this new age. So again, they go back to pull, start pulling threads of the Court of Owls. They find out how deep it goes, and because Dick 
is very much a, a part of Bruce's history with the court. He understands and of how the court itself. Yes, he understands how important it is to try and not only hit the court where it hurts, but potentially stop them forever. Because I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can do, but. The plan Terry and Dick come up with is to stop and like end all Court of Owls influence in Gotham City, period. Now, if they have to come from other cities, whatever, but in Gotham, completely out. So they work on this plan. They start through, throughout the movie systematically hitting. They start finding out who's held in the court. So they start hitting people where it hurts, the actual members of the court. And to go again to the point where I want them to be successful. I don't know exactly how that look what that looks like necessarily, but by the end of the film the court is needs to be absolutely dismantled whether that be they kill all the talons and destroy everything and we don't I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. However, I need Dick at the end of the movie <laughs> to be talking to Bruce, uh, talking to to Terry. And they're having a whole little conversation. And Dick, right before we cut to credit, I'm not killing Dick. Chill out. I don't trust you. <laughs> I'm sure not. I'm not afraid to kill people, man. And they stay dead. Um, no. Uh, so the end of the film, Dick, you know, sunset moment. Terry and Dick are having a conversation, and Dick is re- reflecting on everything that happened throughout the throughout that film. Through the, through the film we've just seen. And he's like, man, like, I just, I need you to know that Bruce would have been so proud of you. Your father would be so far, proud of you. In the short time that you've become Batman, you have gone beyond what even, I think, Bruce th- thought you were capable of. Cut to credits, Batman Beyond title screen, move on. <laughs> the only thing I would change about it, and this is just me thinking on the fly and responding to what yeah. you're saying, is... When they're systematically uncurving the court, I need there to be someone that they thought was on their side. Yes. Like a Barbara Gordon is now a member of the court or Jim Gordon. Yes. Like I need it to be like a secret invasion type of like, oh, crap, this is deeper than we thought. Like mm-hmm. someone close to us is in the court. Now, obviously, the Barbara Gordon thing would piss some people off, but do something that would really rattle the cages yeah. so to speak of i mean I, I the only reason i didn't go like full on on that end on the ending is because a i didn't wasn't really sure how it looked and b i just killed bruce so i didn't want to like really screw people over and be like oh so bruce is dead and Barbara gardens with the court of owls <laughs> yeah that's a Zack snyder move right there <laughs> yeah it is exactly so i wanted to like go I wanted to cross the line, but not more than a foot. Mm. Um, so, believe it or not, I'll go with my Nightwing one <laughs> next. And actually, it'll what a tie bunch and work of Batman with this. nerds. I was debating between this and Superman because both of them I think I fleshed out equally. This one's a trilogy. Superman's quadrilogy. Sur- uh, Nightwing, movie one. I've kind of already gone into extensive detail about how a Nightwing movie should work. If not, you should go watch my video pitching a Nightwing movie. It's probably the most proud I've ever been about a video I've ever produced. I'm very happy with how it turned out. But I'll give you an abridged version for those that haven't seen it. Then once you're done here, go watch that. It's great. Um, So basically, we open the movie with Dick Grayson leaving Wayne Manor because he's just fed up with 
Bruce. We can either have Bruce fire him or he can quit on his own. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, there's been so many variations of that relationship deteriorating. So he goes and moves to Bloodhaven um, after having a nice heart-to-heart conversation with Alfred. Once he moves to Bloodhaven, he finds a nice little apartment, um, starts hitting on his landlord, and they begin a um, relationship. And so later in the week that he moves into Bloodhaven, he has a breakfast slash lunch special meeting with an old friend known as superman and superman more or less is just like hey you're not with batman anymore what's up and dick grayson's just like hey he's a horrible person and i needed to grow i needed to spread my wings so to speak and superman's like hey bro that's super cool that reminds me of a Kryptonian legend about some dude with named nightwing that his family kicked him out as well you should totally use that name. And so he does, and he makes this really kind of crappy homemade suit because he doesn't really have Bruce's money anymore. Um, pretty low-key, not a big deal suit. Pretty beat up. Um, so he starts ruffling the feathers of some of um, Bloodhaven's worst, who all work for this big mobster guy named Blockbuster who's running Bloodhaven. He's basically if the Hulk was super, super smart and ran crimes. Um so Blockbuster finds out about this Nightwing guy, and he basically orders a hit on Haley Circus, where Dick grew up, because via some events that I go into more detail in my story of, he had a date night, and it was having meeting up with some friends from when he was in the circus. So uh, Blockbuster destroys the circus, basically, and kills basically the only family that Dick had left with the guy that ran the circus. So, after Dick has now just gotten his butt thoroughly kicked, he gets thrown violently into the um, nearby ocean and gets rescued and dropped off to Wayne Manor by Superman. So, we bring Superman back into the story. Alfred's just like, hey, you screwed up, but don't make that mistake be your last one. So, basically, like, hey, I'm giving you the same pep talk I would give Bruce, which you guys aren't as dissimilar as you'd like to think. You just butt heads and can never say I love you to each other because you're too stubborn. And so once Alfred's given Dick his little pep talk, he also gives him his classic black and blue suit, which is like his big, I finally am the hero I was meant to be, and he finally defeats Blockbuster. So once Blockbuster is beaten, we're going to have our film end with um, some muggers assaulting a woman, and all of a sudden, one of them gets stabbed in the back. And they're like, wait. You're not Nightwing. And the guy quickly kills the rest of them, uh, but he leaves one alive to try and interrogate him. And the guy's like, you're not Nightwing? He goes, no, but you can help me find him. And we find out it's Deathstroke, which sets up our next movie, which is Nightwing versus Deathstroke. So from here on out, it's all new stuff, not stuff I've done before. This is more or less me continuing this trilogy that will never be made. Um, (laughs) I talked earlier. Real real quick, shout out. Uh, if you guys haven't gone and seen, seen the YouTube video, I, I love it's fantastic. It's well done, well put together. Story is fantastic. So this is all new stuff, even for me, and I'm excited to see where he goes after Much appreciated, this. Man, I, I I'm, I'm very happy with how that video turned out. I think it's one of my best story ideas I've had. Um, so now we're in new territory. So it's obviously Nightwing versus Deathstroke. However. I don't want to leave Dick by himself to worry about somebody this time. Let's have him, as well as fighting this mercenary, let's have him try and work together with his ex. 
we're going to make this a buddy cop movie with Batgirl and Nightwing teaming up and clearly not getting along because obviously they have a history. They're not together anymore. If we want, we could still have Nightwing be dating his landlord of Bridget. Uh, But Batgirl keeps insisting to him, hey, have you tried talking to Batman since you guys had your little spat or whatever? Like, I know he's been busy, but he still cares about you. He's still your adopted father. So the two of them are just going to have that constant interaction. If we want, I'm tempted to include the Teen Titans here because of Nightwing's relationship to both the Titans and Deathstroke. But also... We want to really beat the crap out of Nightwing because it's a middle part of a trilogy. So Deathstroke is going to be very, very personal in his attacks. I'm tempted to have him uh, attack Barbara slash Batgirl. But at the same time, I don't want to have her be trapped in the damsel in distress stereotype. And also, I killed one of his family members in the first one. I don't really want to kill Bridget. But somehow, <laughs> some way, Deathstroke is going to have some really, really personal attacks. And again, this could be a factor of him believing that Nightwing killed his son um, or whatever reason. Maybe he had a hit out. Whatever it is, it's going to be Deathstroke versus Nightwing for most of this movie. If we want, we can have some side Nightwing characters like Torque. Um, <laughs> Or, I'm trying to think, Nightwing's Rogues Gallery, at least at first, was not very interesting. Maybe yeah. Raptor and bring in some more connections to the circus that we had from the first movie. Uh, so, eventually, Nightwing and Deathstroke fight one-on-one Nightwing event and finally beats him. However, we haven't seen Batgirl in a while. And she finally gets a hold of Nightwing and is like, hey, I've been trying to contact you. There's been a development. Bruce has died. We have now killed Batman. So that's why I think it's Yay. funny. I think it's funny that you brought that up. I was like, oh, crap. Um, Both of us killed off Batman in our mov- middle movies. So we're just going <laughs> to... Both once... of us are showing our bias. Oh, no. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is once she says Bruce has died, cut to black, roll credits. No end credit scene. We're just going to let that sting for a little bit and let people just go, wait, did you really just pull that? Because, yes, we want this to sting. We want it to hurt that his father figure, who he never actually decided to reconcile with and basically was just like, no, screw you. The time is now, old man. He basically ditched him and didn't get to tell his own father goodbye. So wait, maybe we can have... I would actually like it more if it wasn't some big-name criminal that finally does Batman in. It's just a regular routine that just goes wrong and realizing, Mm. oh, that's just going to happen. That's just the way life is. And so the next and final movie in the trilogy, we're going to call Nightwing Prodigal. So I've loved the story of Battle for the Cowl, in which case in the comics, Batman dies and who becomes the next Batman? And in the comics, it's supposed to be Red Hood versus Nightwing. But I never bought it because in the comic, Nightwing act, no, Red Hood acts more villainous than ever. Like, they kind of, like, way over the top made him a bad guy. So I'm not going to make Red Hood the bad guy. He's not going to be in this movie at all. I'll explain why later. But our movie is going to open with Nightwing having to deal with the fact that, oh, crap, my father figure has died. Again, I've lost my birth father. I've lost my surrogate father with Haley Circus. I've now lost my adopted father in Bruce Wayne. But not only have I lost my adopted father, 
I left on very bad terms with this guy. So Dick is at an all-time low in his morale. Not only that, but he's got the rest of the family, whether it's Alfred, Tim, or Batgirl, telling him, the world still needs a Batman, dude. We need we need a Batman. And he's just like, no. One, I'm not worthy of it. And two, Bruce never wanted me to become Batman. He made that very clear. He never thought I was going to be good enough to be Batman. And so when our character is kicked and kicked repeatedly down low and kicked to the curb at his lowest point, here's where we bring in our villain, Talon. So, <laughs> I'm going to take a different spin on it, though, than yeah. Josh. Here's where we take a different spin than Josh. So, in the comics, Dick Grayson is the great-great-grandson of a Talon, William Cobb. So, basically, the reason why Dick Grayson grew up in the circus is because Haley Circus was owned by the Court of Owls as a breeding ground for new assassins. So, with mm. Dick at an all-time low for morale, does he choose to go with his biological family's line of... I'm becoming an assassin now. It's the only way to truly protect people. I know it's crossing Bruce's line, but do I become an assassin? That way I know for a fact no one will ever be hurt because I'll just take out the people that will hurt my family. Or do I go and follow my adopted father's route of Bruce and become the hero that he trained me to be for years and years and honor the legacy that he leaves behind now, leaves to the family that he basically gave to me do i follow blood or water which which one is thicker and so we've got that moral dilemma here and as he's fighting uh both talon he's drawn to the dark side a la luke skywalker hmm interesting before ultimately deciding at the behest of alfred who has some comforting words okay now it's my time the world no matter what needs a batman I'm ready to be what my father always feared I would not be. Like, he still has this doubt within him. But now, okay, I understand. I don't want to do this, but it's what needs to be done. And he becomes the new Batman one-on-one with Talon becoming the new Batman. So that's that's how I would do a Nightwing trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have no problems. I, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. That's good to me. I really, I think I really like Batman being done in by um, a common criminal who just got lucky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I re, I kind of really like that. I, yeah. I have mine. I had mine being killed by a talent just because it had to affect Personal. Terry more. Yeah. yeah, it had to. It had to make Terry feel like, oh, I can't save everybody, and it be like his mentor that he can't save. So that that's kind of a bigger bigger thing i guess but um yeah no i like it i'm down uh you've got one more right you got ninja turtles yes i do i do indeed i have ninja turtles so i think you i have spoken maybe not on the podcast but at least to you that uh i miss the roots of the teenage mutant ninja turtles in the comics where it's you doing a black and white movie no 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 uh, I don't want it to be black and white, and you'll 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 hear, you'll figure it out why here in a minute. Um, so <laughs> this movie, this two parter that I've created, is really just an excuse to get Usagi Yojimbo on on screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's collectively what it is. 
Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so in order to do that, right? So that started that that was that's the goal. I had to figure out how to get the turtles to Japan. So what better way than having Sh- like Shredder do something that the causes Shredder to flee back, finally going, quote-unquote, home to Japan. So the turtles have to follow and end this once and for all. Um, so Shredder kills April and Casey. Um, I'm out. I'm in out. The fir- in, in, in the first ten minutes. Okay, you just want to completely alienate your audience. Uh, I, uh, dude, this movie's not for y'all. This is for me. <laughs> <laughs> Screw y'all. <laughs> okay, but you also, can redeem like, yourself if it's the Stephen Amell Casey Jones, in which case you can kill yeah, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's those ones. It's, it's those a continuation ones. of the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> I, uh, it's gonna be really funny too because I think you're gonna see my bias hardcore in uh, as when it comes to scenes and. Teenage Ninja Turtles. Let me guess. All the turtles die except for Raph, and he single-handedly saves the day. No, but close. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put some more emotion into Donnie and Mikey, you know? Um, I know. Like, have them actually be characters? Anyway, so my first film is called TMNT Rising Sun. Um, yeah, I'm, dude, I'm nailing these, these titles, bro. Um, so, in... In an effort to to the, the the opening is kind of tricky because I need Shredder to kill April and Casey, um, so I basically just have the turtles have been messing up uh, Shredder's plan, and you know he is an evil dude, so uh, let's have him actually do something evil. So he's like, you know what, I need to hit the turtles where it hurts. Um, so he lures April and Casey and kills them, videos it, and sends it to sends it to the turtles via Donnie's computers. So this turtles. is rated R. Yo, dude. Dude, trust me. <laughs> it's rated R. Um I mean, I mean you could kind of get around that by not and like not having it seen shown, but you know, whatever. I the opening is not necessarily I'm not sold on it. It I just it was a the, there was a goal that needed to happen, and I needed to figure out how to get there. And this is how I'm getting there. Um, so the turtles obviously react. Um, Shredder, although he is evil, is still a coward. And Shred, uh, seeing the turtles attack his base, so um, uh, fever, um, fe- like you know, wild, like wild animals, uh, really scares him. So he flee- finally flees New York. And goes back to Japan. The turtles find out where he goes, and they are itching to make him pay for for this because it's April and Casey, man. Like you can't, like that's that's our family, you know. Um. So, Splinter, of course, is trying to be like, guys, like revenge is never a good thing. I know you're mad, and in all forms, Shredder deserves to get what's coming to him. But nothing good comes from blinding rage and revenge. And the turtle, all four of them, even Leo, normally the calm-headed one, is like, no, Shredder's going to pay for this. And so they head to Japan. Um, <clears throat> they, while searching through Tokyo, which is why I don't want this to be black and white, I need those 
popping colors Fair. and like Pacific you know like, rim, I, skyfall looking yeah, colors yeah exactly like i'm just like imagining the silhouettes uh, on the rooftops with the exactly oh. <laughs> yes like john wick silhouettes like beautiful mm. fighting mm, um fighting all some foot, foot clan that is trying to stop them from finding out where shredder is um through all of these little scuffles they meet a a new friend that who has been living in japan all his life trying to stop you know try to keep the peace as best he can basically be doing what the turtles do in new york uh and that is the rabbit samurai usagi yojibo um <laughs> so obviously oh god he's, he's gonna, gonna be the last one standing isn't he uh no Anyway, um, don't hop ahead. Don't hop ahead. It's okay. Don't hop ahead? Really? Anyway, um, so obviously Leo and Usagi are like instant friends, right? Like, hey, we both have swords. And like, hey, we're both like really like good people. And like, we're like, uh, we're like a plain white, like good vanilla people. And there's (laughs) nothing really that interesting about us. Um, (laughs) except Usagi is like super cool. Um, but, you know, Mikey and Donnie are not far behind Leo in, in kind of accepting Usagi as a friend. Um, and I want Raph to kind of, like, be okay with him, but still be I, – I need Raph to still do the stereotypical, like, ah, I'm angry. I am the angry turtle, and this is change, and I do not like change. Just because, like, I need – I want to veil some stuff for him, but I, I need him to, to keep up his little macho man thing. For a while, so they, you know, all five of them adventures throughout Tokyo. They find out where Shredder is. The night before, they're about to do their big plan to, excuse me, um, raid Shredder's, you know, uh, lair in Japan. Raph overhears Leo talk talking to Usagi. And Usagi's like, "Look, man, I I've got more I can handle over here." Um, your brothers are extremely skilled. Um, they don't necessarily need you to lead them. Would you be interested in staying here in Japan once everything's, you know, said and done? And you can stay here with me. We can, you know, I'll take care of your lodging and all that. Just join me in the in this fu- the fight to keep peace in Japan. And Raph, of course, before he can hear Leo's answer, gets upset and storms off. This got and this obviously escalates. Into they are literally it's typical TMNT style. They're literally outside the base, about to start their go through with their plan, and they get into a fight and they start arguing, um, to the point that Leo literally lashes out at Raph. He's like, "Dude, why is it anytime someone asks me for help, you overreact and get mad? Because you is it it has to be like that. You can't see me being the people the person that people want to go to. You can't stand being number two. And Raph, instead of getting mad, looks really, really defeated. And he doesn't say anything at first. And just goes, okay. Well, let's just stick to the plan when we get in there. And Leo kind of, like, is taken aback, obviously. Um, And so they get in there, and they do their thing. Um, I need the whole scene into going into this, into fighting into into uh, Shredder's Lair, I need it, like, as, like, martial arts is, like, everybody's prowess, even the foot, it is on display. 
like I, I wanna the the main fight between Shredder, his guards, and Leo, uh, the 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 turtles and Usagi. I want like that fight alone to be 10, 15 minutes, because I need I I want it to be shown like this isn't just like the turtles against Shredder and his pieces of paper. You know, like I need like I need this to actually be a threat. Um, so they they're do they're fighting as best they can. They get in there. Shredder's basically like, yo, we gotta finish this. Finish these turtles once and for all. They've come into my house now. And this that I'm not going to stand for that. Um, you know, slowly people each one starts getting wounded, they're getting cut. Um I just had a brain fart. I'm sorry. Um so they get backed into a corner and in typical Leo style, guys, we can't stay here. We've gotta let, let's back off and come back and you know we'll be stronger for it and that without even flinching Raph's like yeah what do you need me to do and in the next five minutes in their escape from the exit Raph and Leo are working perfectly together in sync like the I- best they have ever ever worked with Donnie and Mikey have their backs. Usagi's slicing people down. They are making their way out in... I know Sa- where this is going. I don't I like don't it. <laughs> I can't. I tell, my bias is going to show. Um, Shredder, in his fit of rage, he does not want them to get away again. They came into my house, and I will not stand for it. Punches into my foot clan guy, takes his spear, and hurls it as hard as he can. They're about to. They're coming up to the door, and Leo yells, "Raph, move!" and pushes him as hard as he can, and the spear goes straight through the soft part between both shells, killing Leo right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were killing off Raph, in which case I'd be pissed. But no, you can kill off Leo. Yeah, exactly. But like, Leo can die. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But I need. All of the, the I need moments throughout the movie kind of sprinkled in there, showing that like Raph and Leo are actually on really really good terms now. It's not like oh Raph is all Maddie and Leo's like haha I'm Big Brother you listen to me like they're actually like working really well together, especially in those moments. So they I mean Mikey and Donnie they get it's they actually show emotion. Um, <laughs> have you know rage, tears in their eyes, and they just start fighting. They they blind rage. They just start fighting everything that moves. You saw Jesus like yells at Raph like, "Hey, yo, bro, we gotta go!" And they put Raph, uh, Leo's dead corpse on their backs, and all four of them fa- finally get out, and the credits roll right there. All right, how we doing on the second? Uh, you, 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 you got any questions, answers, things you change for our first entry? I'm just glad no. it was Raph. You can literally kill any turtle but Raph. I know. I feel bad. Like I know. It, I, I mean, I feel, dick. Yes, and they, see, I think that's Teacher's the thing. Pet. I wanted, I wanted Raph to have at least some sort of relationship with Leo that wasn't like, like you said, pretentious pet and like cool bad boy. Um, so. Second movie, TMNT Cold Moon. Um, 
Dude, this was hard. I wanted to. I was going to say point. you've been crushing it with the names. Cold I Moon know. sounds like a uh, some form of like seasonal ale. It it's like it, the thing I struggled with was I wanted the Sun and Moon playoff, but like I couldn't do New Moon for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> it's a very different movie. Yes, I that know. I would love to see Kristen Stewart yes. can't decide if she likes Michelangelo <laughs> or Raphael more. No. No, I've it's had just, a big whole. It's list. just, <laughs> I just don't okay. know, guys. Stop! Oh my gosh. Um, team rapper, team Mikey. Uh, uh, anyway, but she's um, still human. So I guess it's. I'm starting to notice a trend where, like, my ending of trilogies are kind of like they're more broad, because. And you just like I, to kill people. I mean, yeah, because I think death motivates people. I mean, it's not the last dead person we're going to deal with. No, mine's pretty significant, but we'll get there. So, um, second movie, Cold Moon, whatever. I I did like Moon Rising or like Lunar Rising. There was I went through like four or five different ones, and I couldn't find a good one, so I just went with Cold Moon because it's a cold dead body. Um, (laughs) Shadow Shiver. (laughs) Um, So uh, they're all they're in still in Tokyo when you open the film trying to find a safe place to mourn the death of Leonardo. Um, and of course, so they, they end up, Mikey brings up that they have, I, I mean, like it doesn't matter whether it's Donnie or Mikey, but like it has to be one of them, them two. Um, they're faced. One of them brings up that they're faced with a choice. They could either try to come up with a plan to end Shredder. so that at least Leo's death wasn't in vain or, they take Leo's body and go home so that Splinter can see his son one more time. Um, so, Usagi helps them basically put his Leo's body in a coffin so that they can take him back. And Donnie basically says, why can't we do both? And so they do their thing. They more, they, I need uh, some... I need conversations between Raph, Donnie, and Mikey, basically calling Raph selfish for always being on, like, basically echoing what Leo said. Like, why are you, like, you're just mad you're not number two. Um, And what I have written, it's not perfect, but um, Raph basically tells them, like, well, I mean, yeah, I am selfish. I mean, if you think about, think about all the, the, stuff that Leo and I have, have gone through. Like, and we've been, come so far. I mean, after all these years, when we finally started thinking on the same place, he want, he wants to just get up and leave. Like, how does that make, like, that's not fair to me. Like he's one of the few people that besides, you know, a few, one of you guys that actually believed I could be anything other than just the angry guy. So like if he, without him, I don't know if I can truly believe in myself, especially now that I that he's gone. Um, and you know, Mikey and Donnie rally around their brother. Usagi is kind of being awkward off in the corner because, like, this is like hardcore family stuff going on, and he's just like, "Guys, I met y'all like three days ago." Uh, so, um, they come up with a plan. They go uh, through this. The training montage leading up to the final fight. Um, You're the best. Around. Around. Um, Raph starts coming into a 
of his role as the true <clears throat> as the true leader of the turtles. Okay, um, so here's where the bias comes through. Yeah, yeah, there, there it is. Move right Leo out of the way, Raph. Uh, get over Leo. here. Like get, get get the guy with an emotional center in here. Um, uh, Donnie actually starts to learn a lot. Like why he's still the gadget guy and like still the plan guy. Usagi starts teaching Donnie like all kinds of stuff as far as like strategy and like just you know Japanese culture and like uh, the um, geez I'm losing it I just lost it uh, the the to Sun Tzu like stuff. Like stra- war strategy and stuff oh, like that, and actually, yeah. like a- adding Art adding to his yeah, adding to his his mind of like now he's not just the gadget guy, he's the plan guy, he's the guy that like can figure anything out. You have got a finger up. I do. I have a thought. I don't know if you've incorporated it into your story or not, but how about when they are now? Whenever they fight. They somehow use parts of Leo's weapons when they go. So, tips of swords could be at the end of Donnie's staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can add some sharpness to the nunchucks or whatever. That Continue. <laughs> <laughs> As a nod to what will turn into a last Ronin story eventually. Of course. Eventually, of course. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey starts picking up other weapons. I mean, he still mains the, the nunchucks, but he's like, I can't just be the pizza guy anymore. I can't just be like the... Like, he's al- I'll always be goofy, but I, I need to learn more. I can't just be this... I gotta, it's, it's, I've written down, it's time for Mikey to grow up. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's been um, a long enough. It's been a long time, guys. Why can't why can't our teenagers grow up? Um, but yeah, you know everything. They go into battle. They finally they don't they kill most of the foot. Um, Shredder escapes as he always does, but he's severely wounded. So I want him, want to give him a reason to drink some mutagen later. And uh, kill the rest of the turtles. Um, Set up your last Ronin story. Yeah, eventually down the down the road. I, I don't have that written here because I wanted these two to be self-contained. Also, the last uh, Ronin isn't done yet, so you don't know how it ends. Yet, so I don't know how how what what's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, so just and basically they return with Leo's body to Splinter, so they can mourn actually mourn as a family. Uh, Usagi basically like. Donnie and him have like sat phones so that they can call him if they ever need him, and we kind of the put, shell cell. Uh, yeah, uh, we kind of kind of put a tentative bow on the on the uh, on this part too. Hmm. I like it. I, I like that it's a two part because it's yes. it's very easy to unnecessarily make this a trilogy, but I <laughs> I would like it better if it's a two parter. So my last one. Is my one that's not a trilogy. It's a quadrilogy, just because for two reasons. There's too many individual components. I think of like there's a big tentpole event that happens in each of these movies that couldn't really be condensed into a trilogy. But also, this is how I would do a Superman movie franchise. And one of my favorite Superman stories of all time is a one called Superman for All Seasons. In which case, it's four separate interwoven stories that all take place at different seasons over the course of a year all told by different narrators so you've got like the fall told by lex luther the spring told by lois lane and they all are stories about their relationship to superman and i think it'd be a cool way to tie that into 
movies, while we won't be adapting the four all seasons, have each of these four movies take place in a different season so we can separate it aesthetically but also th- throw in a nice Easter egg to that storyline where we won't necessarily be adapting it. So I really wanted to cover for this one Superman from more or less the beginning to the end. So I'm going to address the elephant in the room right now. I don't have Doomsday in this at all. That a boy. At all. Starting off a good note. Yes. Because I'm going to say it now. Superman will not be alive by the end of this story. And if I killed him off in the middle only to kill him off again at the end, it impacts when he actually will die for realsies. And I've always thought Doomsday is only there as a character just to kill Superman. That's his only thing. And if I want to do it in a way that's much more meaningful and impactful. So let's start it off off the bat with what we'll just call Superman, because believe it or not, we actually haven't had one of those yet. We've had Superman the movie, which is what the original one is technically called, Superman Returns, Man of Steel. We haven't had a movie just called Superman yet. So this isn't an origin story per se, because we've seen Superman origin enough, but this will be like a year two Superman. So it's still very, very early on. He's only just recently moved to Metropolis. Uh, He has met Lois and Jimmy and everybody else, but he's still relatively new to the game. He hasn't encountered any major criminals yet, but he's already kind of made his presence known with Metropolis. And I would like them to recreate the scene from um, For All Seasons that they also did a great job on on Superman and Lois of you can have someone in danger. And when he first makes his presence known to people in Metropolis, he saves the day and they're just like, oh, wow, you saved me. I I like your suit. Thanks, my mom made it for me. Because that's just a great humanizing moment, and I need that to happen. Um, so this is his year two story. He's working at the Daily Planet under Lois Lane. I think Lois is his immediate boss, and then above her is Perry White. I think that's more fun. Um, and Jimmy will be an intern, and that's the only reason that uh, really anybody that Clark will talk to Jimmy is because no one looks at Jimmy whatsoever. Um but our main villains for this will be Lex Luthor being the brain, but also we'll have Metallo as the main driving force, as more or less the heavy for Lex Luthor. Because I like Lex more as a cerebral villain. I don't mind when he gets in his big mech suit, but I like the idea of him giving the technology to somebody else. And then if Metallo gets caught or whatever, Lex can still be like, he stole my technology from me. I didn't do this. I'm here to rebuild Metropolis because I'm a good politician. Um, and so Clark doesn't know what kryptonite is yet until he faces Metallo. So you've got that old-fashioned... If, if this is your most straightforward of all the Superman stories that we're going to deal with of just punchy punchy but also good character moments we're going to focus a lot on the character of clark because i feel like the character of clark Kent has been overlooked in superman movies in favor of the superman stuff of if you're going to care about a superman you have to care about clark because i always say batman is the true identity bruce wayne is the mask superman is the mask clark kent is the real person so in this we can have the growing relationship between lois and um and clark And it's your stereotypical superhero movie. Then we move on to the next one, which is where it gets fun with Brainiac. 
So we're going to have Brainiac more or less kind of do for Superman what Winter Soldier did for Captain America of you can't fight technology. The reason Winter Soldier works is it's basically we've infiltrated everything and have for years. It's the internet is the big villain kind of to a certain extent in Winter Soldier. Superman, he's an all-powerful being. But what happens when you come into contact with something that you cannot just punch your way out of? Technology is ever-changing. Plus, Superman, just like Captain America, is a man of a different era. So, a man that sees the world in black and white, what happens when the world around him is becoming more and more gray and everything is monitored and watched and all those data to be processed can go to Brainiac. Add on top of that, the difficulty that's going to come into Clark's life when him and Lois decide to get married. So we're going to have Lois and Clark get married in the second movie. But Brainiac knows who Clark is. He's basically, I'm here to collect the worlds just like I did with Kandor. Just like I've done with so many worlds before, I will collect your world. And if you try to stop me, Superman, the world will know your secrets, Kal-El. All of them. They'll know your Kal-El. They'll know your Clark Kent. Your world will be finished because Brainiac will outsmart his opponent. Superman is not, he's not an idiot, but he has, he was grown on a farm. He's not going to be the smartest guy in the room, but he has to figure out some way to outsmart Brainiac as opposed to just punching his way out of every problem that comes his way. So when he eventually gets that taken care of, he is able to face off against Brainiac one-on-one just in time for his wedding. We think we have a happy ending. But Brainiac had a contingency plan. Of course he did. And he left all of the information that he collected in his ship on one drive that was sent to Lex Luthor. End movie there. And we'll just kind of stick a pin in that one for later. As their next movie is going to be called Superman Son of Sons. In which case... We will witness the birth of Jonathan Kent. Now, I've said I'm not the biggest fan of Jonathan Kent. I'm not the biggest Superman as a father idea. But I think having him kind of go through this whole life cycle of we've seen him in an early career. Now we've seen him married. Now we've seen him as a kid. We can see this character change over time. We can see him grow up from a young man to a full-fledged adult. And I think having him be a father kind of changes that dynamic especially when it's a newborn baby especially when the baby itself is being threatened maybe by a um luther enhanced being that can absorb powers also known as parasite so parasite basically for those that don't know parasite can absorb the superpowers of whoever he touches whether it's superman the flash that he can absorb their energy that's how he survives he has to feed on other people's superpowers so what if Jonathan Kent, the son of Superman, is even more powerful than his father, and Parasite just wants to feed on this being. Well, maybe Parasite needs some help, but everyone is just like, no, Parasite is too dangerous to be worked with. He's going to just basically eat us alive. Well, what if there's someone that's as powerful as Superman that can't be drained of his power because he'll just keep replenishing and would be stupid enough to team with Parasite? Yep. Parasite is teaming up with Bizarro. Yay! Because Bizarro, in and of itself, he's not a bad guy. He's just an idiot that's easily persuaded. And I think it would be kind of a fun parallel of Superman has a newborn baby and he's fighting a criminal who has the intelligence of a newborn baby. And so it's like 
how do I treat this person? How do I kind of convert Bizarro? And so, uh, the tail end of the movie, Superman finds a way to communicate with Bizarro to be like, hey, you are not what Lex Luthor made you to be. You are not what, sh- what people have treated you as. You can be great. You can be like me. To which we can kind of have a Iron Giant callback of Superman. I can be like Superman? Yes. And so Bizarro and Superman team up to fight Parasite. And Bizarro can basically somehow sacrifice himself to defeat Parasite and save the world. And Lex Luthor's, of course, just like... Oh, why do I have to do everything myself? Which leads us to our fourth and final Superman movie, which I don't know what I want to call this, but I'm really tempted to go The Final Days of the Man of Steel. Because this, this is where Superman dies. So we're going to open just like a regular superhero movie of Superman needs to save the day. We're going to more or less kind of adapt arguably the greatest Superman story of all time, which is All-Star Superman. Um, the Both the comic and our movie will start with astronauts in space that their ship has malfunctioned and Superman more or less goes to save them. He saves the people, but in the process is overexposed to a tremendous amount of solar radiation. So he, because Superman gets his powers from the sun, he is now stronger than he's ever been before. He can uh, move planets. He's the more overpowered than Superman already is. But the problem is, with these great powers, sped up his life expectancy, and he now has about three to six months left to live. And now, he has... So this is eight years after the last Superman movie. So he now has a small boy at home, an eight-year-old son, and he now more or less has to shift his priorities from, I'm saving the world, to... Alright, I need to get my affairs in order for my family before, basically, I'm no longer around. I need to let other heroes know that, hey, I'm not going to be around forever. And the main villain for this one will be Lex Luthor. It's our final Lex Luthor started this. He's got to end this. He's not going to have any supporting villains. But this time, he's using the information that he got from Brainiac in the second movie to basically draw on all of superman's weaknesses going okay i'm i've had it i'm getting older the older i get he still looks exactly the same i this is not fair the world needs to idolize me and if they don't they don't deserve the world they live on so he's gonna basically be a nuisance to every uh Every path that Superman takes. If we want, we can bring back old Superman villains just to kind of be a Superman's greatest hits. Or bring in some characters that maybe we haven't seen. Mr. Maybe... It's hard to say. Maybe bring in Mr. Mixelpidilic if we really want. But make this the best of Superman, basically. Like, if we're going out, we're going out with a bang. And we can have the... We can finally have now of all times... Lex Luthor in the green and purple suit going head-to-head with Superman and see, okay, are you as good as you think you are, Luthor? You say you can beat Superman. Can you? But now, of course, if Superman is stronger than he's ever been, he easily dispatches Luthor, to which Luthor brings one last big gun. He Using some technology that he got from Brainiac... He basically turns the sun into a dead star. He, Luther, kills the sun. 
And of course, as we know, because science, if there's no sun, we die. The world becomes a frozen tundra. To which, this is going to come off as fan service, but believe it or not, this movie came out before All-Star Superman. So I kind of think All-Star Superman stole from this, the best Superman movie of all time, The Iron Giant. Now that Superman is stronger than ever, he realizes, I have enough solar radiation within me that I can restart the sun, but it's a one-way trip. I ain't coming back. So he goes to find Jonathan and Lois, and here's where we really just get the emotional gut punch of, I have to tell my son, I'm gone. I will not come back. But within you is the future of the world. And if we really, really want to bring this full circle and make it a great story, we can have Clark tell his son, you will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun, Jonathan. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. The exact same speech that Jor-El gave him, he gets to pass on to his son. And just like Iron Giant, he's going to fly up and away and into the sun. I think it's also a perfect metaphor for how Superman, powered by the sun, gives new life to the sun again, thereby giving us life. Like, the allegory that All-Star Superman presents is so perfect for an ending of Superman. Not beaten to death by Doomsday. He literally gives life and lifts us up and is the the light and the hope that the world so desperately needs. And if we really, really wanted to wrap things up, we could do 15 years later, in which case Martha is still alive and knits Jonathan a special suit. His first suit to honor his father's legacy, the new Superman, Jonathan Kent. Nice. Yeah. I think I'd call the last one... um... Either Superman Supernova or Black Hole. Oh, I like Supernova. That's good. Just because, like, the idea, the concept of, of, like, what a Supernova is and stuff, so. Anyway, but yeah, no, like, good stuff, man. Wait, uh, like, I appreciate any story that involves killing Superman that doesn't have doom, Doomsday in it. Well, I also wanted to lean into the fact that so many people that don't know Superman clearly are just like Superman's overpowered. He's uninteresting. Lean into that. Make him essentially God tier, overly powerful, but basically show with all this power will come at a cost. And yes, it would be nice if maybe in that final Superman movie, him and his son are watching Iron Giant, and we can have an, a nice callback. But that kind of that kind of breaks the so rules. Much. That yeah. kind of breaks the rules because to be like, wait, we're watching a movie that has Superman. But here's the thing. Iron Giant has ends with him flying up into space and stopping the nuclear bomb, right? That was 1999. All-Star Superman came out in 2007 and ends with him flying off and restarting the sun. Very, very similar to which I'm just going, hmm, are you telling me the Iron Giant isn't the best Superman movie that inspired the comics in return? <laughs> really? Oh, boy. I knew... Whenever you said Superman, what, you had a story about him for this discussion... I was like, there's there's no way he like tries to tell a Superman story and doesn't bring up Iron Giant. There's just no way. I could have done the one where he teamed up with an Iron Giant-esque character. Stop! He anyway, does. I know, great. but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> but yes, if you guys were in charge of a big comic book company or just like stories, how would you tell certain 
character stories. If you've thought, like, this is what I would do if I was in charge of telling Spider-Man stories, or if I could write a Batman movie, here's what I would do. Let us know in the comments below. I always like hearing other people's stories. That's why we do this. We are storytellers. We like to engage with you. I like to hear other stories. I like to tell stories. Uh, so, yeah, if you have any ideas of what you would do with a comic book character in a movie franchise or whatever else, let us know. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.